Thank you, Pastor Rob. Uh, great to be here with you this morning. As Pastor Rob said, my name is Jim. I'm currently batching. I thought I'd get straight to the point and let you know that this week's uh, been wifeless. Uh, she's, uh, she's away at a cousin's wedding and uh, I'm at home with my two beautiful boys and we are running amok. We normally, when mum goes away, we have a mum's going away party because I like to make it a thing. <laughs> uh, thanks, team. Uh, so, yeah. So, if you're online, as Pastor Rob said, hello to you. Uh, one day we wish that you will be here soon. For those of you that are physically here, hello, hello, hello. I do like the 9am. I always feel like the 9am seems to have a bit more spark than the 10.30. So, sorry if you're at 10.30 and you've decided to come to the 9 but uh, I do enjoy the nine, so good on you. I want to tell you a story about, as I said, Beth's away at the moment, so safety procedures are at a minimum. I've decided <laughs> I took uh, the boys for a motorbike ride yesterday. And, uh, yeah, you can already see how this is going to go. So we've got a little four-wheeler. It's a little 50. It has a little restrictor on it, right? But it's more like a throttle restrictor. It's not a speed restrictor. So... It's more like how aggressive you can apply the power rather than it doesn't cap him at doing, say, like 10 k's an hour or anything like that. Anyway, so we're out, we're out riding around and obviously I've only got one of these four-wheelers, so they're taking in turns. And me and Orlando are sitting in the ute. And about, I don't know, 30 minutes after Harvey's been riding, he comes to me and says, oh, pulls up. He goes, hey, Dad, do you reckon we could undo the restrictor a bit? I want to go a bit faster, and I'm thinking, initially, I was like, nah, nah, everything's good, we don't need to, you know, we don't need to kind of add any, uh, any, any yeah, unknown factors, you're doing good with what the speed that you're going, and he's like, okay, and rode off, and then as I was sitting in the back of the year, I was like, you know what, I'll just give him just a little bit more, it can't hurt, it's only a little bit, and as I said, Beth's away, so... She wasn't there to kind of go, look, no, you know. Uh, uh. So he pulls, he pulls back around and he sees that I've got the shifter and he, his, his eyes lit, his smile went from, helm, from side to side of the helmet. And he pulled up and I started undoing. And I, I, I kid you not, I turned this thing like half a turn, right? I didn't just kind of turn it like three turns and open it right up. Probably went from like 15% to 25%, right? So I've opened it up a bit more, just got a bit more throttle. I said, mate, just make sure, you know, you can jump on the brake when you need to. Like, you know, it's all good. So he takes off. Now, <laughs> I kid you not, I made this little track. I put a shovel and the jerry can of fuel around so they could kind of swivel around. I know the fuel wasn't the best thing to use as a pivot, but <laughs> it was red and it stood out, all right? Anyway. The first corner, I'm not joking, he goes around, turns. Now, if you're a motorbike rider, if you, you know what a high side is, he basically high sides himself, which is like a, a roll. So he's turned, because he's going so fast, or that extra 10% faster, he's turned and the bike's basically bucked him off and it's like being this slow roll over motion. And I'm sitting in the back of the ute and I'm thinking, oh, like it didn't take much. So anyway, it's rolled over, he's started crying, I've gone over there and, you know, patted him down and 
kind of said, this is why, you know, I didn't want to wind it back out much. So I wound it back on. He got back on the bike. Everything was all good. Yeah, boots on, you know, he had a helmet on. I still had some safety things in place. But I want to join this onto my message some, uh, in my message this morning in a way of going. Sometimes this is how I think that we treat God, is that God wants to trust us with more, but sometimes we've got to work out how we handle with what we've got in front of us. And now this morning, I want to be able to challenge you because I believe that us as people all go through battles in life. But one thing that I believe that God has given us and strengthened us to be able to do, that what we battle with is what we build with. And that's the title of my message this morning, is what you battle with, you build with. Now I'm going to jump into a story of Joseph, and that's in Genesis 37 to 49. Now, I'm not going to read all 12 chapters, because if I was, the 10.30 service would end up rocking up, and we end up just having one big service, because it's a lot of chapters. But I'm going to paraphrase into verse 39, if you want to get there now, 39.2, and before I do, I'll pray. And then we'll get into it. So Lord, I thank you for who you are and what you've done. I thank you that there may be things in front of us, yet you've given us and strengthened us to be able to walk through those things and to build and mature from them. And Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just soften people's hearts and open their ears to hear your words, Lord, that people will hear my voice, but spiritually that they can be influenced by your spirit, Father, Lord, that you can just uh, touch people's hearts this morning and that you can um, just show them what you want them to hear. Amen. So Joseph, I'm going to paraphrase the first three chapters. So Joseph was 17 years old. He was one of 11 and he was the favourite son. Now so much so that his father Jacob made it so obvious that He was the favourite in the way that he treated him. He also made him this super cool rainbow coat before rainbows was a thing and that it was something that was made very obvious. Now, this made his brothers very upset out of jealousy to the point of them actually wanting to kill Joseph because they're like, we're sick of this guy. He thinks he's too good. He was a, well, they called him the dreamer, but... God gave him a gift of being able to, um, what's the word? Interpret, thank you. Interpret dreams. And he had a few dreams, told his brothers, and basically the dreams were about how one day that he'll, you know, bow down, his brothers will bow down to him. And that was like literally fuel on the fire. So the brothers were like, that's it, we're going to take Joseph out. We're sick of basically his favouritism and how good he thinks he is. So we're going to pick up... Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Jacob, which is Joseph's father, sends Joseph out to go check on the brothers. They're out flocking the sheep. Now, as, the, as Joseph starts approaching the brothers, the brothers are like, we're going to finally put this guy out. We're, just, we're sick of it. We're going to... We're going to basically kill him. Now, as Joseph approaches, they grab him and they chuck him in an empty well. And as they work out what they're going to do with him next, 
there's a group of Ishmaelites that are heading to Egypt, which are trades that are basically um, buying and selling things. Basically, they sell Joseph for 20 silver pieces, which is about $200 in today's, and they sent him on his way. Does that make sense? He was the favourite, he got thrown in the well, then he got sold as a slave. That sucks, but it's happened. So we're going to pick it up on verse 39 and 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and lived in the house of his master. You get what I'm saying? When his master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in the eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all of that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern with anything except the food he ate. How cool is that? Joseph literally landed on his feet. Pretty cool, huh? I'm just going to get a drink. (laughs) Don't mind me. Unprofessional. So... One, the point, my first point that I'm wanting to make this morning here is the situation of what happened to Joseph didn't, disguise, uh, didn't, didn't derail him from his destination of what God had promised. So my first point this morning is don't let your situation determine your destination. Joseph did not go into Potiphar's house and be un... Uh, what's the word? Man, I'm lost for words this morning. Maybe when my, life, my wife leaves, I'll lose my words too. Um, Joseph was very full of joy. He was... I'm trying to think of that word. It's just going to connect it all together for me, but... He was focused on God and he found the peace in God in the midst of what had just happened. He'd just been sold as a slave, yet he still found his feet at Potiphar's house and didn't let his situation determine his destination. Can I encourage you that in today's society, in today's world, that we are so influenced sometimes by our phone and by our sporting community and whatever that sometimes the situation can actually change our destination of what we think we need to go. But what's sad is that sometimes it can actually challenge our belief system to then not go through with a certain thing that might be in front of us. And if that's something that I'm trying to say from a point of going, use those things to be able to build on. Because what you battle with, you build with. And Joseph came into this. He was obviously had been sold as a slave. He lost everything, yet he used it to still find favour in God. He kept an attitude of faith and showed it. We have a funny joke in music that Jesus might be in your heart, but make sure your face is always showing it. It's the same thing that Joseph was obviously not 
suffocated by what just happened, that he walked into Potiphar's house, was still full of faith, still had his heart fully ready for what God wanted to do and didn't let his situation determine his destination. Can you see that this morning? Plans change, but promises don't. God's promise does not change in your life. And unfortunately, there is an enemy, and the enemy doesn't like it when you take a step towards what God's called you to be in your destiny. But can I encourage you this morning that the Lord has far more power over God, uh, over the enemy, and he might try and stall us, but he can never stop us. So Joseph's in Potiphar's house. Things are going pretty good. He's landed on his feet. But from what the Bible says, Joseph was a pretty handsome-looking guy, and Potiphar's wife kind of started to have eyes for him and basically wanted to sleep with him. And she tried and tried, but Joseph, obviously being the man that he was, was saying, no, I'm not doing that. It's not the right thing to do. Now, if you're a male this morning, I'm sure, and I'm just being completely transparent here, you know, I'm sure that there would have been some things that he would have had to work through to go, I'm not doing this. Because of the opportunity that may, be, that have may come up, there was still, I'm sure, a small struggle that he would have had, yet he was still determined to go, no, I'm not going to lose my focus on what God's got in store for me. So he did not fall into the trap of sleeping with Potiphar's wife. But Potiphar's wife ended up grabbing a piece of his clothing. Now, obviously, I'm paraphrasing a lot today, so if you want to go back and read it, please feel free to, but obviously for time's sake, I'm just paraphrasing, but we're still going to go back to certain parts of the story. So Potiphar's wife grabs a piece of clothing, goes back to Potiphar and says, he's tried to do these things to me. And this, this comes back to Potiphar. And we're going to jump back into verse 39 to 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But the favour followed. But while Joseph was in the prison, 21, the Lord was with him and he showed kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all the things in the prison and he was made responsible for all the things that were there. The warden paid no attention under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and he kept success in everything he did. So Joseph's just been smacked with another thing that he hasn't done, yet he still has gone into the prison, showed his ability that he's trusting in God, being approachable, that was the word I was looking for before, being approachable to others, which is then reflected the favour of what God has inside of him. So because he hasn't let his situation determine his destination, he's then being able to then been smacked in the face again by another curveball, gone to prison, but then found the favour again. How cool is that? That, you know, he's had a hurdle and he's still deciding, Lord, I'm going to be reliant on you. He kept an attitude to seek God in the way he presented himself. In prison. Sometimes I find it hard to present myself in church, let alone in prison. Yet he was like, hey, I'm here and I'm 
wanting to, I want God to ooze out of me, regardless of situation. Are you getting it? He had a lot of reasons to be upset. He had a lot of reasons to play the victim card, which the victim seems to be a very heavily used word in today's society. And it's something that I think that we need to be able to work through what's happening. You know, I'm jumping ahead, but God doesn't want just to pull us through. He wants us to grow through things. And that's where I'm trying to point out this morning that we have battles in life and we need to use them to build on, just like Joseph did. The battle he had, he learned to build. Now, as he's in there, he's obviously building relationship with people and whatnot. And in verse 40, there's two more guys that get thrown in prison, which is the cupbearer and the baker. Now, Joseph's obviously a growing relationship with these guys. And in verse 6, as he was going around and doing the rounds in the morning, he goes and notices that the cupbearer and the baker were a bit upset. In verse 6, he says, When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they looked upset. Why do you still look so worried? He asked. And they replied, We both had dreams last night and no one can tell us what they mean. I love this part. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. My next point this morning is Joseph had a gift and he continued to use it. He wasn't waiting for a certain situation to use it. He was using it in the midst of a prison. One thing that I think that we as people need to try and equip ourselves in is that stop waiting for the perfect moment to use a gift. The gift is definitely needs to mature, but we can start somewhere. And I'm, this isn't a plug for servant this morning. But if you don't know where your spiritual gift is, can I encourage you to start serving? Because what serving does is it shows you, it matures you, it gives you things, it actually gives you cues to to learn to die to yourself, which is really what it's about. You look at Jesus, his whole story is dying to ourselves. And can I say, it's been one of my biggest battles, is dying to myself. I feel like I was tethered with a selfish streak, and I don't take long to try to kind of keep my own eggs in a, in a line before I think about others. But one thing that has taught me the most about not being selfish is having my kids and, and being in church. You know, I've learned a lot from that too. <laughs> but... Where the rubber really met the road for me was when I, when I had my kids because it was like all of a sudden, like the certain things, how I like things just went out the window because it was just about, you know, getting your kids up. But the point I'm trying to make is that we have those things and, oh, that's right, gifts. Get into serving because I'm telling you it will mature you, it will grow you, it will strengthen you. And I'm not saying this because I'm a department leader and I need people. Can I say... Music team, you won't be the last time you'll hear this, but my biggest focus isn't to fulfill the roster. It's for for you to find your greatest gift. And if that starts from doing lights, 
if that starts from vacuuming the floors, if that starts from doing coffees, well, then that's just where it starts. But there's a gift there that needs to be used. And like Joseph had here, he wasn't waiting for the perfect time. He was exercising this gift in a prison and was still saying, hey, look, God's got this stuff. It's a training ground. You don't know what God's got in store for you. Don't ever underestimate what you're going through now because of what God may be preparing you for later. Take up your position. Take responsibility. Take responsibility and use what's in front of you, that battle, to fuel towards what you're doing in faith, in one of my other favourite words, obedience towards what God's called you to be. Now, can I just say, I'm saying all this stuff because it's what God's been showing me, right? So I'm not up here saying, hey, I've just made it, so now you need to do it too. I'm walking this journey too. And God's showing me these things because I'm always one to wait for the perfect time, but there is none. There's a training ground that we need to become fit. You know, a couple of years ago, the footy team was really um, desperate for players, hence they were ringing me. And uh, I wasn't, look, I wasn't a great footy player. I was probably more good for, you know, how encouraging I was on the field, but that was about it. But they were ringing because they needed players, right? And they literally wanted people to jump off the couch, run into a game. Now, some people can do that, right? I bet you people like Jack and Bill, you, you know, you guys are just athletes. You can get out there and you can just do it well. But me... I've got to go through this training of three months to build up some type of stamina and, and fitness to be able to kick the ball where I want it to go. But my point being is it's being in a position that we are training to then what's next. What's God called you for next? Now, Joseph's hit with another one here. Once again, Joseph was let down and forgotten about. So basically, Joseph tells the cupbearer and the baker What's going to happen? Now, spoiler alert, it doesn't turn out well for the uh, baker. But the cupbearer, the cupbearer gets out. So in 14, Joseph actually says to the cupbearer, and please remember me and do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland of the Hebrew and now I'm in prison and I did nothing to deserve it. Pharaoh's jumped to 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Now, two years later, Pharaoh dreamed, Pharaoh had a dream, and no one could siphon it. In those two years, I believe that Joseph continued to believe that God's plan and purpose that he had for him was still active. He did not lose faith over two years of saying, look, I tried to work out how long he was in prison for. I couldn't work it out. But it was, it's anywhere from two to ten was kind of what I worked out. So we definitely know he was in there for two years plus. But he continued to believe even though he was forgotten about. Yet, Pharaoh has this dream, calls all the magicians and all the people. They can't decipher the dream. The cupbearer has a light bulb moment to go, you know what, there's a guy in prison that can tell dreams, we'll go get him. They go get him, they clean him up a bit, and in verse 16, Pharaoh asks, can you decipher this dream? Straight away in 16, 
the, Joseph says, it is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can do what it means to set you at ease. Basically, the dream was about seven years of abundance and seven years of fame and drought. A famine, sorry, not fame. And basically, it came with a plan. God said, hey, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to appoint someone to do these things. Now, Joseph wasn't saying, hey, God, you've got to appoint, uh, Pharaoh, you've got to appoint someone, let that be me. He was just like, hey, this is what it means. In verse 37, it says, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officers. So, Pharaoh asked his officers, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit? There's that evidence. He's sat on the bench for so long, been in that training ground, yet he's so filled of the spirit, Pharaoh notices it straight away. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dream to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. Can I say, wisdom doesn't happen overnight. There's that training ground. There's that stepping stone to going, I'm going, I'm working towards what God has for me, regardless of situation. And then it happens in verse 40. You will be in charge of my courts and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on the throne will give you a higher rank than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed the signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in a fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then Joseph had to ride the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the commander shouted, Kneel down, so Pharaoh, uh, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one else will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of God. That's your cue. So here we are, the fulfilled promise. Now, the story does go on, but it's, there's a whole other message in this that, that Joseph's family ends up coming because Egypt's the only place with grain and Basically, Joseph receives them and with all arms open, unforgiveness. There'd be a good message there if you want it about unforgiveness. But Because I'm pretty sure being sold as a slave, you'd, we want to be uh, knocking... Boys. You'd want to... Oh, go away. Oh, I'm so distracted easily. All right, outlining, ups and downs. So Joseph was up and down six times. He was a favour at home, then he got knocked down and sold as a slave. Then he had favour at, Pharaoh, uh, at Potiphar's, then he was thrown into prison for something he didn't, have, uh, didn't do. Then he found favour in prison, but then he was forgotten about for two years. Then he was second in command over all of Egypt there was a trend here that I saw late last night and Joseph was an overseer from day dot Joseph was an overseer of his brothers then he was an overseer in Pharaoh's house and fields 
Then he was an overseer in the prison. Then he was the overseer of all of Egypt. Egypt was two to one to three million people. Can you see that? Just like Harvey wanted to just jump straight into it. If I went from managing three people to then three million people, I would not be cut out for the job. Because I'd need to go through certain trainings, go through certain traumas, unfortunately. It sucks, but it's there to make us stronger. It's there to give us endurance. It's there to be able to help us not be flaky when the first hurdle arises. So I don't know what's in front of you this morning. I don't know what you might be going through. I'm going through stuff, right? So you've got to be, it's a human factor. But we have these things in front of us to grow us, to build, to use it, to step up on. Don't make your problems bigger than God's promise. The battle we face every day will help us. You know, in Proverbs 24.3, it says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it's established. I don't want to just build something. I want it to be established. I want it to be grounded into something that is unmovable. Because we are going to go through trials. We are going to go through things in life that are just, it's just life. But God wants to grow you through it because he has such a big plan and purpose in place for you. You know, there's a pastor in America, Pastor Tim Masters. I never heard of him, but I did thanks to the word today. And he says, failure is the productive side of success. So when we're going through things, it's a way, there's actually a plus that comes with it because we, we grow th- through it. So this morning, I want to give you the opportunity that if you need encouragement, if you need strength, if you need to be reminded of what's in front of you can make you stronger. There's a scripture obviously about going through things and faith and endurance. Got it back there. It's in Romans 5. But I want to give you the opportunity because God wants to walk with you. And as I said a few weeks ago, God isn't a click and collect. He wants to build a relationship with us. He wants us to walk through things together. But he wants us to take up that position. So this morning, I just want us to close our eyes. And it could be unforgiveness. It could be finance. It could be pride. It could be whatever. Whatever's in front of you this morning. I want you to look at that understand that you can overcome that through God and that you can build and be more mature and better from it. It's not there to defeat you, it's there to make you stronger. So this morning if you want to the team can sing and I just want to give you the opportunity that 
to lay hands on because I really believe that there needs to be a physical obedience of coming up front. There's a quote from Bill Johnson that says, physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. And this morning, I want to open the altar up. I want to encourage you to be bold in this because if we can pick our burden up and realize how heavy it is, we will value and appreciate God so much more. But we need to pick it up. It might stink. It might be unattractive. But we need to realize that it's there and we need to go, God, I'm lifting and giving this to you.